Welcome to the Lake Ray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Knoll. I'm Jenny Bookler. And I'm Chris Heine. And we are, sadly, at the end of two fantastic weeks with some awesome people. Um, as you guys know, we've been traveling around Iceland with two great teams for the Iceland Residency Program. And we just dropped off uh, our team, Lycan, who's our second team on the residency. And with a heavy heart, um, we headed back to good old farmhouse where we're sitting around the table being a little melancholy but also remembering all the good times so mainly just listening to youtube videos of shakira and (laughs) martinez martinez and what's his name marcus marcus and martinez i found which is, by the way, I, you can't be really, you can't be melancholy when you're listening to Marcus and Martinez because it's like two two ten year old boys, like Swedish boys, and they make pop songs. And I found a video. And Chris has now derailed all of my <laughs> sad thoughts here. But anyway, um, we'll put a link to their YouTube video so you can lift your spirits after a, a long day at one point. So we're sitting around the table. Um, Reflecting on all the stuff that we did over the week, all the conversations we had, all of the things that we learned, all the places that we went and explored together. And it's really interesting. We were talking about how sort of that reflective moment or moments or or much time that you have changes with time. The things that you do while you know you only have a little bit of time left with some people. And that sounds really bad, but it's, you know, but, but truly when you're in an experience, all of that, like all the thoughts about getting into your, you know, t- to the right attitude to do some interesting stuff, um, and just experiencing it with every ounce of effort that you have. And so it's been really interesting kind of going back and thinking about all the cool things that have happened over the last two weeks and reflecting. So this podcast we wanted to call So Long and Thanks for All the Memories. Before we do that, let's tell you a little bit about what's going on at the gallery, because even though we're not there, we're there in spirit. Well, we've got a, a couple things coming up at the gallery pretty soon, as well as some things that may be happening in the Minneapolis area. Jenny, what, what exactly is happening right now? Um, so you guys should stop by this Friday night, uh, August 7th from 7 to 10 p.m. We have the opening reception for a really amazing comic exhibition that's hosted by a great crew from Autoptic. Um, So they have five international artists that have an entire collection of original artwork, zines, prints, um, and really great art. So they are showcasing their work along with the artist talk that's happening at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. Um, Again, it's hosted by Autoptic, and we will actually be at the Autoptic Festival uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, We'll have a giant booth with all sorts of art prints, decks, books, and lots of projects that we've worked on in the past couple of years, so stop by for some good prints. Yeah, and definitely it's one of our big fundraising goals for the year, so if you want to help out and get some really nice artwork, it's a great chance to do that. And thanks to all the artists that have donated a print from the past shows. Um, lots of really good stuff will be there. And again, we won't be there. The three of us won't be there in person, but you can say hi to um, some artists that are helping us out, our interns, and Becca, the wonderful, wonderful person that works with us that is holding down the fort. So, um, let me ask you guys a question. You know how we've had a conversation about how D&D is very much like real life? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is in so many ways, isn't it? It is exactly like real life. It is exactly like real life. Uh, I feel like 
Jenny was telling me this earlier today, and she said, you know what's really interesting about this is that you have to get in character almost every single time you have to go out on a quest. Mm-hmm. And of course, if it, if I say that in relation to D&D, it makes sense. And of course, if you think about it in real life, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like every time we have uh, an excursion that we go out to, whether it's a residency program like the Edison residency program, or if it's um, a retreat, what did I say to you? I said, I have, to, I have to put my party hat on. Yep. Like I'll dig out my party hat, I'll put it on my head, and I am ready for adventure. And even though I still have all the anxieties of meeting new people and traveling around and making sure everything goes right and mm-hmm. looking at my lists and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. As long as I got my party hat on, I feel like I can set the tone for what I'd like to be doing, even if I have no idea how things are going to go. Right? Right. And I think when we're traveling around, um, of course, we don't necessarily need a party hat because we don't want to do it, but it's it a lot of times end up being 6 a.m. and You got to put are, on your 6 a.m. party hat. Yeah, you got to put on your 6 a.m. party hat because everyone else is tired and you can't be like, it sucks being up this early, huh? You're just like, <laughs> you have to be like, oh, where we're going is amazing and it's worth getting up so early for and it's worth, you know, all this pain. And because suffering. it is. Yeah, it is. It, it totally is. But our motivation or our enthusiasm sets the tone for other people, I think. I think mm-hmm. they're, I think they do the same thing. And I think um, one thing that all of us go through on probably one of the first days that you meet a load of people, whether it's going to class for the first time or like our D&D scenario where you meet at a tavern mm-hmm. and you're holding a piece of paper that somebody sent you secretly in the mail or by, via owl or something like that. And you walk in and you have to go and find your party members. It is kind of awkward trying to, to figure out what to say and figure out how to say hi and like, you know, how to mesh. And you don't know who you are, but you do, but you don't, you know, like mm-hmm. in any right. scenario. But I think in those cases, both in D&D and also in real life, that first encounter really does set like a huge precedence for how the rest of everything is going to go you know something i really like about uh the comparison between the programs and also dnd um so in dnd as many of you guys know from playing like it is to your benefit to have a wide variety of people to your benefit to have a ranger and a rogue and somebody who can be up close in battle and far away in battle and so it makes sense that you would have a, a sort of a random combination of things you don't all want to be the same class or the same group of people and so when you're meeting a whole clan you are trying to figure out what your role within that clan is and so it sort of fits along with what we experience like we get together we sort of know people from working with them online um, we get to say hi but it is really fun to sort of watch people like come out of their shell throughout the week and become really close by the end of the by the end of the trip it's true and okay one thing that i think is really pretty funny right is that so i know what i do and i know who i am right but in any kind of D D scenario also so this this last week for example i switched it up a little bit i decided that i was going to be a dragonborn and also barbarian. <laughs> I thought you were talking about in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too. But so in this case, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be a dragonborn and a barbarian, and I'm going to learn something a little bit new. So, Whereas normally you're a, some sort of elf maybe or a paladin, always. Always. Yeah. Always. Half elf paladin. All the time. 
And so this time I was like, you know what? I want to learn something new. So I got my my new situation. I'm going to mm-hmm. figure this out. And I'm just going to be up for whatever is going to happen here. Well, I'm going to have to just roll with the whatever. Roll with the punches. Roll with the things. Roll with the dice. Roll with the dice. So in that scenario, it was really interesting because it was um, sort of related to the way that Evan Palmer, who was one of the participants here, was... Um, hosting the D&D campaign. And mm-hmm. so what he did, which is kind of like, here, I'll make my comparison later. But anyway, what he did was he had all of us um, create sort of the background of the character first before we picked any classes or any, um, you know, any other attributes. Any gameplay purpose things. Yeah. And he said, write down your number one ultimate goal and then fold it down and pass it to the person on the left. And you went, what? Pass to the left. <laughs> you know, You're like, that was my goal. <laughs> that was my goal. And so then what you did was you folded the piece of paper that was passed to you, and you wrote um, something that you would always or never do. What is that called again? Um, is it like is your bond? Oh, yeah, your oh, yeah, bond. your bond. So you're like, I will always tell the truth, regardless of whatever happens to me. Or I will always eat the sandwich, even if it is moldy. You know, that's probably not a good one. One of them was uh, Lynn had, and I'm not sure who wrote it. It was me. Oh, okay. She had, I will always eat everything or something like that. No. Oh, yeah, that was her. That was her. No, that wasn't me. I did not write that. Yeah. I wrote Mira's, who was, I will always perpetually puke. Oh, yeah. That one was (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) I I didn't know that we were going to swap papers. So uh, then we folded that one under, and then we passed it, and then we did the flaw, right? Mm-hmm. And so you wrote your flaw, and... That's not a flaw? Your I will always perpetually puke was... Oh, maybe that was a flaw. I'm not that really That seems sure. like a flaw more than a bond. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, maybe that was it. So then when we wrote our flaws, we wrote down, you know, whatever. Uh, for example, uh, Chris's was, I will always talk in rhymes, and I trip over my feet. You know, so <laughs> all of these, of course, were given to you by the people next to you. Yes, and so when yes. you receive them on a piece of paper, you were like, whoa, this is not what I normally would think of. But it did give all of our characters a little bit more substance. Yes. Because all of a sudden you had to just roll with whatever you've got. Right. They're right. not like the traditional. You couldn't play into like a stereotype anymore because yeah. I had to talk and rhyme and I had to, I can't remember what else I had, but I had a bunch of other things that I didn't write. You had to But then I had to do that. Your character was wearing sweatpants. That was my choice. Yeah. That was not given to me. He. Oh, yeah, he had to be comfortable. Yes, I see. I thought you were saying... <laughs> yes. Yes. So I thought you were saying that I had to be comfortable with my rhyming skills, which I was. Yes, it was a perfect fit for you. Yeah. Really yeah, so yeah, I rhymed all over the place. You should probably just rhyme the rest of this podcast. I won't do that. Okay, that's fine. I won't be a bat. <laughs> <laughs> This is the best rap. That was a good job. You should be yeah. a rapper. So, uh, now I'm confused. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We were giving all of our, we were giving all of yeah. our um, interesting and kind of, oh, yeah. out of out of character characteristics. Okay, so here's a parallel to everything that happened this past week. So I'm specifically talking about the, the group that was in our team, Lycan. So every... Every residency, we have a different team. This year, we had two different teams, Team Moss and Team Lycan. 
Team Moss went first. We talked a tiny bit about them last week, and then Team Lycan went this week. And so um, each group has to provide a 40-minute presentation or some kind of workshop or some kind of interactive situation, and you have no idea what's coming. We kind of know. Yeah. Because we might be the, the dungeon masters. Right. So when you get your attributes, whether this is Evan's D&D campaign or if it's one of the workshops that you're going to participate in, all of a sudden you are thrown into a situation where you have to decide how the rest of you is going to react with that new piece of information. Mm -hmm. So Jenny, you could probably talk about this a little bit and we've probably mentioned it on a past podcast, but I think mm -hmm. it's really relevant. Um, when Jenny did her presentation on the first day, she talked about something that was called the five obstructions. And I think this is a really good like, scenario, both in the D&D world that we're talking yeah. about, but also what happens when somebody throws you something that you didn't know you were going to have to do, or right. something you're unfamiliar with and you're just learning. Right. You know? But I always think about the five obstructions. Um, so this goes back. It's a sort of famous... Uh, example of obstructions in like art history but um what it is supposed to do is give you things that you either you have to or you cannot they're absolutes and they're things that sort of give you concrete definitions to, to expand your ideas so a lot of the time creativity comes from like not giving somebody a blank piece of paper but saying you have to make something within this blob shape or you have to um, use these five materials like your brain works so much better when you have something to start with and so a lot of the time um, when you're making something and you have these sort of obstructions it like gives you something to jump off of I mean all your client projects anytime anyone who's ever worked on a project it is much easier to have a little bit to go off of than nothing like what the size is or the parameters or how many colors you can right. use. Right, so when we were working with D&D, &D, it's the same sort of thing. Like if somebody says you have to talk in rhymes, it's going to change the way you think about speaking, the way you interact with other people. You're going to be actively thinking forward about the things that you want to say to people and being really intentional. Maybe you'd cut back on some of the language that you'd use normally. Um, so it's really interesting. And actually all the workshops sort of had that thing where you are thrown into a conversation or brought into something that you weren't necessarily prepared for, which is really exciting. I mean, that's my probably one of my favorite parts of the residency is just the spontaneity. Yeah, it's spontaneous. You listen to people talk about the things that they love. And I think that's really interesting. I I I am a preparer. Is that a word? I'm somebody who over prepares all the what ifs and we've talked about that in the past and it's just in my nature to want to know exactly what's happening all the time and then all the scenarios that could possibly happen on the best and the worst case. So it's interesting sometimes when you're like, Ooh, am I going to have to draw in front of somebody or am I going to have to like right on the spot use new materials to make a portrait of a person that's staring at the portrait that I'm making or any of those scenarios. And it's kind of nice not to know, even though surprises are not normally a thing that I gravitate towards, it's, it's kind of nice to be like, here's my limitations, here's what I've got to use. I just have to do it. Yeah, and all the artists are always dealing with that a lot because the workshops are not really revealed until they start. So right. it's just right. like we know that Bridget is giving her workshop, but nobody knows what it's going to be until it actually happens. 
I mean, we know, but like the people involved don't really know what it's going to be until it happens. You might have the theme, but you never have the nuances. Right. Right. And I think because of kind of how varied they are and the time constrictions and or restrictions and um, all these other things that everyone really did kind of have their party hat on when it came to these things mm-hmm. because it wasn't expected that, you know, in this exercise you're going to get a masterpiece or whatever. Usually it feels like a lot of the people were on a similar wavelength to Jenny where their workshops were really about putting people in places that were really outside of their comfort zone and making them do new things and do new things quickly and and do these exercises that are very strange and alien in a lot of ways. But do you know the thing I like about them, though? is that it wasn't just to shake you up. They did it in such a way that made it a comfortable atmosphere to do things that you right. normally do Right, but I'm saying that's, but that's also because of everyone's willingness to put on it their party hat. Right, so because like... Because if somebody was just like, you know, you've always had that student maybe in school a long, long time ago who's just like, I don't draw that way, so I'm not going to draw that way. But everyone here was like, oh... This is, you know, totally different, and I'm totally willing to try this out. And even though the room was full of incredible artists or whatever, nobody had, like, an ego about, like, I don't want to do one bad drawing in front of everyone else. Yeah, and I, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about, about just putting putting on your party hat and, and deciding what kind of attitude to have in any scenario. Right. Well, I think especially, too, with the workshops, like, nobody asks you to do a random portrait for no reason. Like, there's an intention behind it, you know, and um, they're doing it because they want to, like, continue the conversation or say something about it or give you advice for when you're doing this. Or something to think about. Yeah. Well, like, for a perfect example of this is Bridget Underwood, who works in the animation industry. She actually did a workshop on blues dancing. So she had everyone stand up and show them the basics of dancing and how it works and how to understand rhythm and interact with a partner. Um, And she related it back to animation, how to understand the weight of the body and how you move and how you direct without like pulling a person around the room. Um, So it was really fun and really silly. And I think it sort of um, allowed people to think about the body in a totally different way than they normally would if you were just like, think about Wait, in animation, that's different than giving them a, a real example where they can interact with themselves and with each other. Well, I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we theorize, like, you know, what would it be like if this would happen in this scenario? I mean, it's all that stuff I was talking about yeah. before. You never really know how things are going to go until you do them. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. I mean, and so I feel like we can sort of talk about it this way. So back to your D&D mm-hmm. example. Yeah. Um, one of the big things that we talk about when we play D&D is that it's the, it's the art of improv. You're making it up on the spot. You're reacting to everything else that everybody else is doing. You're kind of continuing the world. You're continuing to build on the stuff that's before you. All of that is, is necessary in order for everybody that's involved to have a good time. And I think that's something that it's funny when you think about a group dynamic and you think about how that really makes a difference. Mm-hmm. So, um, as you guys know, in the residency program, we have 15 of us. So, there's the three of us, and then there are 12 artists that join us. And, again, just like D&D, totally different characters, totally different fortes, and totally different ways of interacting with each other, you know, um, different skills, all, you know, totally different. And so, no matter what, even in the same exact scenario, for example, we had two, two different groups 
of 12 people plus us three. No matter how, like, structured, like, the situation might be, like, we're going to this place, we're going to this waterfall, we're going to go see this great, like, you know, structure, this natural formation, any of this stuff. The reactions are always different. Like, the, the conversations are always different. The ways that, that people explore and the ways that people take in the, like, the environment are totally different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. You, can, you know, put, put 12 people in, a, you know, the, the black dog pub or where, wherever <laughs> we were, and they're going to do something completely different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you keep jumping back and forth <laughs> yeah. between real see, life and see D&D. if you can follow me. We yeah. did not go to the Black Dog Pub in real life. No, but. not in real life. No. But hopefully you can kinda of understand what I'm saying. Yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't matter which one I'm talking about because it's identical, you know. It's right. In a game in real life. Right. We're a group of adventurers. We're together, a group of adventurers. Seeking like the company of each other and through the battles to learn from one another. So right. it is it is totally collaborative. Yeah. yeah. So, so I like this <laughs> metaphor, and I feel like we've talked about this a couple times, just yeah. how how real it is. But um, so here is something that I thought was particularly interesting about our D and D metaphor. So because Chris did decide that he was going to stick with it and he was going to talk and rhyme the entire time, Evan awarded him an inspiration point. Can you talk about what that is? Um, sure. A inspiration point is a basically a gift from the dungeon master that awards gameplay in the spirit of your character. So even if you do something that is prohibitively bad for your character, as long as it's in the spirit of your character, you get an inspiration point. So for instance, if your character, well, for my character had to speak in rhyme, Evan didn't award me a point every time I spoke in rhyme, but when I made a particularly great rhyme, he gave me a point. Or um, Can you if, talk about Matt, for example? Matt Forsyth was a bard, and he we have a three-string guitar <laughs> sitting around the, the farmhouse. Uh, it is not a special guitar. It's a five-string guitar that's missing, too. Um, but he knows how to play guitar, so he was kind of picking it up, and he was holding it. And during the entire campaign, he would change the music based on what was happening in a very... Um, hilarious way I guess kind of in a is really hammy way really and then fun. Um, and then he also while we were battling he kind of sat out and he and he hid in the wagon and he he was writing basically the victory song while the battle was happening and then he was like crossing <laughs> things out as like people got hit because he wasn't helping and, and and then someone was about to die and then he's like this changes the whole tone of my song I'm gonna have to rewrite this whole thing um, so he got a, a inspiration point. So basically, the DM gives you a point that you can spend to like reroll dice and things like that. So um, you get rewarded for playing in character and really um, not playing the game as a system, but playing the game as like a story and a narrative. And one thing that I thought was really fun about this, and it, it was amazing to hear his song, and he sang it, and he did a great job, mm-hmm. and then he added an addendum to it and continued the song. Yep, for a it lasted this for during the second round of combat. The the song changed, so on yes. his turn, instead of fighting, he would just use his action to sing his battle song, which I think was great because that's what bards do. So, but one thing that I thought was really fun about that is that Evan, in the very beginning of his D&D campaign, he said, you are all individuals, and you are all going on an adventure together. And so I think that was a thing that, of course, of course we are, you know, 
But I think it's interesting that every single person sort of took the things that they know about themselves and sort of accentuated it out to like the millionth degree in front of everybody else. You know, you almost became a, a caricature of yourself in some ways or, or maybe a character. I would say a character. Character. <laughs> so, but you know, there are some, some things when you get, when you get in some of your best moods, all of the things that are you tend to get so inflated and so fun and so ridiculous. You know, you just yeah. you just have parts of you that are that are the parts that you have in a party atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of show up a little bit more so when you're in that kind of situation, At, particularly when other people are having a good time or mm-hmm. other people are showing those sides of themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of really funny things that happen. And normally, I it takes. I think it takes me a little bit to laugh. Out really? Loud. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I was crying and laughing. Well, she's just saying it normally would take her a little. It bit would to normally. Laugh. I'd be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> as you laugh. Yeah, as I laugh right now. But you know, but it would normally take me a little bit. But it was interesting because the the tone totally changes how how that right. feels to me. Well, I think I think because. And this goes back to, like, the inspiration point sort of thing is, like, because those guys were so in character, I think everyone else felt more liberated to, like, make crazy choices or say crazy things. Um, or well, you just could say, anticipate like, the energy that was right, happening. So, right. okay, so I'm going to go back to last week. And um, I'm going to go way, way, way back. And one thing that was really fun, and we might have mentioned it on the other podcast. I don't remember. You'll have to tell me if, I, if we did or not. But... We traveled with Eric Krenz, who um, I think we talked about for a second on the last one. And he's a really fun guy, very talented. And he, when he gets laughing, he keeps laughing. And one thing that I love about that is that his laughter just shows up and he starts chuckling and then he starts laughing at himself laughing. And then he will just laugh and laugh and laugh. And then it's very hard not to also laugh, even though you don't right. know what's going on. Right. So, and in that kind of infectious energy. Also, you know, like we were talking about putting on your party hat. You know, the second you see somebody else having a good time and kind of letting go and just doing their thing, I think it becomes way easier just to be like, you know what? This is not all business. This is this is real life, me mm-hmm. reacting to whatever's happening. So... Anyway, I remembered that, and I was like, that's really funny, because I found myself laughing a lot. Right, yeah. Because he was laughing. In both right. groups, yeah. I feel like there was... It's funny, because I think if some people might picture a situation like this with artists like sitting around talking as a very serious affair, but it was like 90% laughing, and then like 10%, all of a sudden it would get serious and have like this conversation would go into a really serious mode or whatever. Well, but, I think the cool thing about that is that the the laughter was happening during talks that had some like pretty deep content. Yeah. You know, I mean, people would poke fun at the stuff they knew was true about the industry they were in, or they would talk about things that we all kind of know we're a little embarrassed about in our own mm-hmm. practices, you know. So some of that some of that being able to sort of like laugh at ourselves or laugh at the things that we're doing, you know really was nice because then yeah you could be embarrassed but you're embarrassed with the rest of the people that are sitting there you know and you could tell that they were all accepting of like the new things that they were trying and you know it's it's nice to be in a room full of people that that understands that part of it Mm -hmm. so i think that was really good 
So one thing that I thought was interesting, like despite, despite isn't even the word that I'm looking for, like after having spent several days, and this happened two times to me, after having spent several days in the beginning of a, of a new relationship with a lot of people, you realize that your, your time is starting to um, be fleeting, right? Starting to run out. You're starting to run out of time. And it's a weird feeling because you are sitting there in the, in the fifth day of the residency and all of a sudden you realize that you're going home tomorrow. And that's a very weird feeling. And I noticed it twice, of course. We had two different trips. And there was a moment, of course, we, were all, we all came back from one of our excursions and we were sitting in the car driving to the next one and the car fell silent for a second. And it was palpable that everybody was thinking about that this was going to be over soon. And when that happens to me, that is often a, kind of a, like a sort of a double thing for me. At one point, it's sort of a wake up call to realize that I only have a little time left to do something that matters, you know, and I'm tearing up because I'm thinking about it. But you know, do something that matters, talk to the people that I, that I wish I could have talked to more, or like, you know, make an effort to, to join in on something that I didn't get to do yet, you know, mm-hmm. there, there are these things that all of a sudden you realize, you're like, I may never see these people again, you know, hopefully not, hopefully that wouldn't happen, yeah. you know, but it's interesting to think about that, because I think when the group goes through that, even though they never said it out loud, I mean, you could see it, and uh, it's always really interesting. I think it was, I think it was interesting only because, you know, it hardly ever happens in that kind of a thing, unless you're in that situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe you guys can kind of describe this a little bit, but um, one of the artists on Team Lichen, Lee Crutchley, and Jenny, maybe you can talk a little bit about what he mm-hmm. does and who sure. he is. Um, he led a workshop that I think was really um, very specific to this kind of a theme. Mm-hmm. So, sure. So uh, Lee is a artist and illustrator and writer who lives in England. Um, he just is coming up with his second book right now, and it is all about. Um, it's a book filled with different creative exercises on how to like challenge yourself and be creative. And, and be happy. And be happy, yeah. <laughs> and so it's funny, it's titled or it's um, categorized as like a self-help book, um, but it's actually intended to sort of trick you into being happy through these really fun and silly exercises. But one of the pages was about seeing yourself as a 90-year-old person. What are the things that you regret doing and what are the things you would like to spend would have liked to spend more time doing. Um, so we just sat there as he was sort of talking about his book and how to sort of interpret some of the pages that are his favorite exercises. Um, and so we had a chance to sort of think about that and what we want to do. Are we doing what we want to do? What could we do more of? And I think there was, I mean, there's tons of people who said they would spend less time on social media. They said they would spend <laughs> less time promoting and more time having real conversations with people and being in physical spaces and things like that. But I think it's interesting, though, because how often do you really sit there and contemplate that kind of a question, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it's very rare that you sit there and you're like, you know what, 
I'm going to reflect on everything that I've done and then talk about all the things that I wish I would have done better. I mean, maybe some of us do that. Yeah. But how often do you know when something's coming to an end and you have the, the ability to make an effort to change something or to do do something that you didn't get a chance to yet? And I feel like because Lee went on one of the first days, um, I doubt that many people made the connection between his exercise and one of the last days of the workshop mm-hmm. and specifically made that connection or, you know, yeah. like consciously made it. But subconsciously, I'm sure they were thinking about it, you know, like, wow, this is almost over. So when you guys go through that, do you, do you ever, like, do you go through, like, a very serious turning point? Did you go through one? Um, I think I have, so... Like, say, for example, this each of the residencies were about six days. Um, and, like, at the halfway point, I'm, like, very conscious of time passing by, and I realize the time is passing. Um, and do you I've sit been, there and go, how many people did I make an effort to talk to? Or did I get all the things done I wanted to do? Yeah, like, I mean, I'm constantly sort of thinking about, like, who who I have talked to or who I would like to talk to or if I have questions for anyone. And I try to, like, do that in the moment. If I think of something, I'll, I'll say it. I won't just, like, hold back. Um, but it's really nice. I think a lot of the experiences sort of open up a totally different side. While you're walking down the beach with somebody or you're sitting in, like, a pool with someone, I think it sort of lends itself to a lot deeper conversations than you would normally have with somebody if you're sitting at a table or it's something It's pretty like darn intimate. I mean, it is. And I said this to, to, I think, maybe both of the teams. Um, I truly believe that if you stay up all night with somebody or if you go travel with somebody, you get to know them very quickly. Yeah. And I feel like it's a, it's a combined effort from all parties, you know? It is. You yeah. expose, like, what your pajamas look like <laughs> to some people. But you also get a chance, too, to, to really know that you are together. You know? Right. Well, I think that's part of the thing, too. Like, if, you, if you've seen someone's work online or if you have, I don't know, if you've seen what they do, you normally think of them as, like, their art and the person like sort of mixed into this package together and well I think, sort of you you think you know yeah you think you know what it is but then seeing them as a real person and talking about their ideas and what they'd like to do and their struggles and the things that make them most excited it is great to like have real conversations like that i like that we can sit in our pajamas together and have a good conversation yeah you know, it feels really nice and refreshing and totally different than what we're used to doing it does. Did you have a moment where you were like, you know what, I didn't get a chance to talk to this person in depth, or, like, do you have the same sort of turning point? Yeah, no, I always feel, I don't know, wistful on the last day. It's kind of sad. Um, it does take a while to get really comfortable with people, I think, and by the last day, everyone's always really comfortable with everyone. Um, so it's kind of sad to give it up. It's kind of like I've said with our workshops or other things like that when people leave even if it's just one person who came in for a workshop or even if it's or if it is a big group like this it's kind of like you spent all this time kind of making a friend and now you're losing them already even though you aren't necessarily losing them but it's kind of like a movie you know yeah it is because you can keep up through social media and things like that but you just kind of are just like oh you know like this you're like what if it's like that episode of star trek where uh picard lived an entire life inside of his head 
and then he kind of had to go back to his being a captain. Um, I don't remember what the name of the episode is, but it's kind of a very bittersweet episode where, of course, you have to continue with your life, but in a magical dream world, maybe you could just, like, continue... Hanging out with these people. Yeah, I mean... Saying hi or doing projects. Yeah, I don't know if I want to live in a house with 15 people forever, but, you know, it's really... There's a lot of really nice moments of just having a good time, friendship, good conversations, all that kind of thing. Well, I I think that that is... I mean, I I know you're right. I mean, you have to get on with things. Of course, we all know that. So, like... But I, I do think that in any of these cases where, like, personally, if I get to meet somebody that I've really bonded with and I think they're the greatest, it does give me an outlet then to pursue reaching out again. And I think that, Chris, you say something all the time that I think is really a great sentiment. It's everybody's uh, in charge of their own good time. Yeah. I know sometimes you mean that if I'm pouting and I'm in, I don't want to go do something, then I'm in charge of being happy about it. But that, but in this scenario, I think um, I don't have to lament the fact that I'm not in the same room with these people, but I can make an effort to be um, you know, connected as much as I can. And I and I think about that, and that's kind of empowering, knowing that that if I want to reach out or if I, you know, want to call somebody up and be like, hey, I'm I'm in your neck of the woods. Do you want to get together? That that's something that I can do, you yeah. know. And then it doesn't make me feel as bad anymore. But, you know, again, who knows? Who knows? But at the end of it, I kind of have a a process that I go through. And. I'd like to hear what your process is at the end of things. The second something's done, right afterwards, I go through what I like to call a a strange (laughs) self-critique. And I don't know how many people do this, but this is definitely part of who I am. And I'll go through something and say, like, what could I have done better? How did this go? I will replay every scenario in every way and think about, oh, yeah, I, you know, this thing was great, but what if I had done this other thing? Would things have been different? You know, it's strangely comforting for me. It probably sounds neurotic and really horrible for some other people to go through and analyze everything that happened. But for whatever reason, um, I tend to really enjoy that. I enjoy looking at every single aspect, thinking about it right after it happened, and that's how I digest my memories. You know, mm-hmm. I tend to have a poor memory if things last, if you know, or if things are like longer than a certain amount of time. And so for me, it helps refresh the things that were really important about what just happened. You know. Yeah, I approach it a very different way. I think because I, I never like think about what I could have done better really in in a case like that in a, in this you know like a social situation kind of workshop like this or something i have more of a gestalt just like my oppression and i think when you went down your you know question path i just you know you were like what would you think and i said i had fun yeah you did and that is my impression that i remember i remember having fun um, there's a lot of moments that weren't fun, you know, just like waking up and, and 
doing dishes behind the scenes and all you know all these things of, of just like worrying about if people are happy worrying about if anybody's still needs this to do worrying about the bathroom time before we have to leave out the door and all that kind of stuff you know um but my overall impression all of that you know disappears and i just remember the that everyone that there were no serious problems and that everyone did have a good time and i have a good time and and at least for now that's good enough for me um i don't need to you know the next one isn't going to be for a while so i don't need to pick it apart and figure out exactly what needs to change although during the first and the second one we did kind of just do like okay how'd that go is there anything we need to change for the second group you know since we do have a one day turnaround to make anything different if we needed to um, but both of them went really smoothly both of them had a really good time and even already with the first group team moss team moss it, it feels like it could have been a month ago even though it's only been one week so do you go through an evaluation process after you go through an experience? I think mine is more similar to Chris's process. I let time sift things through. So um, when you do let time sift things through, what do you mean by that? Like So like this entire past two weeks we've been talking to people and interacting and I it is there's a countless number of conversations that we've had, you know. It's lots and lots and lots of memories and I think um time sort of sifts the best memories to the top and you'll like sort of have this like ranking of the things that were most impressionable and most memorable more memorable or the workshops that like really resonated with you and so those sort of things like slowly rise up in the midst of like all the other things that happened um i think going through photos definitely helps i think i did a lot of sketching that definitely helps but i don't to remember you mean to, yeah, to like sort of... Or to jog your memory? Yeah, to jog my memory about the things that happened, different conversations that were happening in specific places, like where I was standing in relation to people. It really helps with recalling things. Um, I have a really hard time critiquing immediately. Like, I can't even wrap my head around all the things that just happened, let alone, like, pick it apart. So it's div- it's really tricky. I don't know. For whatever reason, and I... I know I just said this, but I really do find comfort in just analyzing the crap out of whatever just happened, <laughs> just to a, to a, like a ridiculous degree, and maybe it's just trying to make sense of it. Maybe it doesn't. It doesn't. It, sometimes it doesn't make sense to me why certain scenarios ended up the way they did. You know, in what mm-hmm. in life, and right. sometimes it comforts me to be like wow, I really enjoyed this experience. What made it great? And of course, you know, it was the people and the moment and the spontaneity. And of course, that's exactly what it is. There is no formula to it. But for whatever reason, it comforts me to think about what if these scenarios were right? You know, what if the the timing was right? What if the location was just right? What if going to the hidden waterfall at 7 in the morning was the perfect time to go? Because it set the tone. It put the party hat on the whole van, you know, <laughs> you know, just for yeah. that specific location. I think, I think usually that's the reason why I think about it that way is that we spend so much time curating an experience. And even though it's completely made up of the fact that each individual contributes their own self right to the experience that's what makes the experience 
setting up something to catch that experience is what we try to do mm-hmm. and then hope that it all gels together, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I find that comforting and I think it's interesting. And with time, due to my crappy memory situation, I sometimes forget. I don't forget the people, I just forget the nuances. And I think it's a way to help me remember some of the nuances of things that I really enjoyed or things that I think would, you know, however I'm making sense of it in my own brain. But I did think it's interesting that both of you guys have a completely different way of doing it. Yeah, I feel like my brain needs to rest in order for all the good stuff to, like, for it to sort itself out, you know? I mean, it was a really good time, and I think there's so many good things that right now it's one big blur of, like, two weeks of adventuring yeah yeah well it's um i'm still reliving and reliving and rethinking and reliving and well, so it literally just ended so. i know i know i know it I did mean, so but i mean all of those things i think are really kind of fun to think about as just group dynamics you know setting the tone for things like figuring out what your contribution to like an entire situation might be and how that relates to the experience that everybody else had, you know? Mm-hmm. So in a D&D scenario, to bring it full circle back to our original thought here, um, as we came to the end of our battle and we all rejoiced, you know, because we've successfully done this thing together and we've lived through this experience and everybody has, like, you know, they're they're collecting their their random... Uh, rewards, which could be, you know, both emotional or whatever else, you know, or all the things they've learned. Or in D&D, it could be some gold pieces, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that is just part of how that goes, you know. It's just, you know, you, you collect your things, you put your stuff in your suitcase, you have all your photos, you have all your memories and your sketches and your stuff. And then when you you go home, you, again, you try and make sense of it and about how that happened and who you are now after something like that. So, um, so yeah, in general, again, D&D like real life. As always. <laughs> as always. As always, it will always be. So um, we will be traveling uh, through Iceland for another several days. Um, we like to go and scout out new places and see what's up. Uh, we had a great time with these two groups. I want to say thanks. We're going to tell you who was in the groups real quick, mm-hmm. just so you know. Um, big thanks to Team Moss. Um, we'll tell you all those guys. And um, to all their enthusiasm and, and having all of the the energy to run up to something and sit down and paint it and, <laughs> and talk about art and talk about how the colors of the mountains were and all those types of things. And just, just overall great attitudes. Um, yeah, so Team Moss included Eric Krenz, Laura Bifano, Aaron McGuire, Andrew Olson, Jesse Riggle, Justin Oxford, Corey Godby, Charmaine Verhagen, Steve Hughes, Juliana Brian, Michelle Schwartzbauer, Becca Oline, and then all the like great crew. So. Yeah. And then a huge thanks also to Team Lichen, who of course, all the laughs, like, all of the silly energy, all of the fun, like, ridiculous exercises that we did, and um, all the s'mores that they made. That was really good. Mm-hmm. 
So Team Lycan included Lin Wang, Ed Scudder, Lee Luna, Evan Palmer, Nico Delort, uh, Lee Crutchley, Matt Forsyth, Bridget Underwood, Mira Lee Patel, Anna Benaroya, Joy Eng, and Kate O'Hara. So thanks, you guys. I mean, we had an amazing time. We're going to be putting up all the photos from the Light Gray Art Lab 2015 uh, Iceland Residency as soon as we can so you guys can see what's up. We have a couple group photos that I think Chris might be able to put there um, so you can see their wonderful smiling faces or their, their muscle poses or whatever else that they're doing in those photos. Uh, but we really had a great time. And again, we'll be thinking about all you guys um, for a very long time. So um, if you would like to join us on next year's residency program, we are looking for two new teams of artists and the information for that program is up online right on the front page of the website. It says 2016 Light Gray Art Lab Art, uh, Iceland residency program. And all the information about what we're gonna be doing is there. So if you need to know anything, just head over there and um, the application is a link. It's just a form that you fill out talking about what you'd like to contribute to the program. Tell us a little bit about yourself. And then there's also a scholarship application. Um, we are gonna be awarding uh, up to two scholarships to people. You can read all the information about that too. And so, yeah, that's, that's about it. So we're looking forward to um, all the great memories from this year and all of the new ones that will form with the next two groups. So where can people find the rest of our stuff, Chris? Well, you can find us on blog.lightgrayartlab.com. It's a one-stop shop for everything that's going on. You can find us on Facebook. You can uh, find us on Twitter. We're at Light Gray Art Lab. You can um, subscribe to the show on the iTunes Music Store, stream it directly on Stitcher Radio, follow us on Tumblr. We're lightgrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And did I miss anything? Uh, and just come say hi to all the people at Autoptic. And that's about it. So thanks again, you guys. Thanks to Team Lycan and Team Moss. You guys are great. And we'll talk with you soon. Bye.